You got your old man recliner? Mm-hmm. This is nice. We got this. Wait, does mine recline? I don't think mine reclines. Just push back. Just push back? Oh, there we go. Oh, wow. <laughs> got the Archie Bunker thing going on. This is a nice house. This is... I walked in, I was kind of thinking, like, is this how they normally lived in, like, the 1800s? Have you ever been to London? I went to Charles Dickens' house. It's very na- small rooms, narrow, but you go up like three flights of stairs. Uh-huh. Or you go up three floors. I also went to the the fiction, the actual uh, Baker Street place for Sherlock Holmes, and yeah, it's there's tons of rooms. They're not as big as this, and they're not the ceiling's not as high, but you had multiple levels. Floors up. Yeah. Yeah, those townhouses and all that. Because I'm just wondering, like, this is the, this is a nicer house than I've ever lived in. <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking, like, where's the technology? Where's the advancement? Although the traffic outside's annoying. And I was just kind of like, dang it, I've been living in a basement for the past three years, almost. <laughs> you know, you, we can chat about it on the podcast. The different, different We're on percent- the podcast now. Oh. Yeah, we're recording now. Oh, okay. Gotcha. They didn't have traffic, I'd imagine, in the 1880s like they did here. Uh, but you had people on the street. You had business activity going on in the street. You had horses. I mean, they. We don't always think about the 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 smells and the sanitary conditions that they Plus had. Plus, women didn't shave down there. A lot of hairy bush. A lot of hairy bush back in. Thank God you missed the 70s. You grew up. Wait a minute. When did you hit puberty? Was it in the 90s? Yesterday. <laughs> well, for you, it was back during what the Civil War. Yeah, me and my buddy yeah. Beauregard Van Clinton. He, him and I, we <sighs> we grew our mustaches out very walrusy. That uh, well, speaking of mustaches, um, well, hang on. I need. To, when when did you become of age? I mean, was it you were born when? I was born in the late eighties. Late eighties. So you were in the aughts when you hit puberty. See, you you should be so lucky because you don't know what a hairy bush looks like. You did not experience this. So like when we were kids, you'd get the Playboys or whatever, and that was the golden chalice, and you just have this nasty, unca- not to be so crass, but you really have no idea how hard it was in the olden days. So not only were we walking uphill both ways in the snow and the sleet and tornadoes to school, uh, none of the women shaved back in, when we became it. It wasn't until about the 90s that they start shaving. So you don't even know what that, that nasty 70s was like. Good old days, right? The, no, they were the 70s were horrible. They were horrible. I remember Did, the 70s. I, speaking of the 70s, what, other than I think maybe some good fantasy, uh, not that I've read a lot of it, but good fantasy books, and the Patton film, what good thing happened in the 70s? Nothing. Nothing. The seventies was was a dark, a, a mini dark age of America. The fashion was awful. Nobody wants to dress like that anymore. Architecture was horrible. Architecture was horrible. They did. If you watch the original Death Wish film with Charles Bronson, um, it is the, the the film is interesting, but it's compl- the the film is hard to watch because of the music and the colors. Of the time, but just because mm-hmm. he, he paints his his apartment or condo in New York orange, mm-hmm. and it just looks ugly. And he's listening to this really bad jazz music on in the background, and it's so no, 
people will always want I, maybe maybe they had some good cars right some of the muscle cars but even the cars took a shit then uh, they didn't recover until the the early 90s or the late 80s when you had the jelly bean car the curve car the Ford Taurus but everything took a shit in the 70s a, per, a perfect example Roger Moore you know the actor Roger Moore yeah. James Bond okay he before he became James Bond his claim to fame was called The Saint and I was watching The Saint uh, because we get it for free on the Netflix or the Amazon and everyone was dressed dapper it was black and white it did switch to color but you just looked at it and it was class the moon were just very classy and everything then him and Tony Curtis starred in a very short uh, live uh TV show called The Pretenders. And this was filmed solidly in the 70s. I want to say 76, 77. And the decay that occurred in that one decade was appalling. The show was well-crafted, I think. You had Tony Curtis and Roger Moore. Um, they played very well off of each other. Um, and it was basically... Tony Curtis was this underground... Uh, from the Bronx American war vet and then uh, he it became he earned his money and then Roger Moore was this aristocratic British gentleman who just inherited his money and they were hired by a uh, secret organization to go fight international crime very well great script you want ruined it just the tacky ugly 70s attire the architecture the interior design the fashion it just, it just, you could not watch it because it, it was visually raping your eyes. It, it was, the, it threw you off that much. And me and the GF, like, we can't, I can't watch it. It's just, it's so horrible. So that leads to something that I've been thinking about with what's going on with our culture now and all these different franchises, whether it's entertainment, music, books, literature. Mm. They have, by injecting, now, in the 70s, it was aesthetic. It was just ugly. Now we've got another problem. It's, They've injected politics and propaganda into a lot of this art. So in the years to come, it's not going to be watchable. I mean, it's already not watchable, but it's an entire era of just wasted effort right. to create art that is bad. Hundreds of billions yes. of wasted labor on it. Yeah. Nobody's really going to watch any of these movies because they're... they're whereas you see movies um, from previous eras where... They immediately date themselves because nobody wants to watch that stuff because it was a preachy film on some issue, and that issue is no people either don't share the value mm -hmm. anymore. I don't think people share uh, the value. It's pigeonholed as such. It's pigeonholed, and so it's it's preventing good uh, timeless. I think that, that that's the word timeless art or timeless stories. They always have to make it applicable to something that's going on. Um, that, and, and it's... I mean, an example of that is The uh, the Last Jedi. That is a okay. film where you have Mark Hamill in it, and it's the only film that's going to have him as the, the last... If they were going to do... They, they had one shot to, to give him a, a final story, and also with Han Solo in, mm -hmm. in The Force Awakens. They've thrown those away. They, they've thrown away the potential to have made genuinely good stories with those actors still alive and capable of filming. Carrie Fisher has just died. Mark Hamill is... I mean... He's still alive and kicking. He's still alive and kicking, but it's... With, with some movies, you get one shot. 
Um, you don't get to go and re redo them. It was the same thing with, I think, with Lord of the Rings. And <clears throat> I'm just look. I'm watching this unfold, and that's why I don't consume a lot of modern entertainment because it's, it's just it's not good. But it's also, I think, once the people who are pushing this stuff lose power or go away, nobody's going to be watching this stuff years later. That's why we end up watching a lot of older films. Is not that all old films back in the day were good. A lot of them were terrible, and that's why we don't watch them. Mm -hmm. But they made a lot of good films that resonate with people no matter what era they're living in. Right. Well, and there's two main reasons for it. Today, it's, it's called... Profession plus politics, that's where like right. so that's what I like to call it, is you cannot merely, you know, you can't be a good mechanic, you have to be a mechanic, plus you're going green and you recycle your oil. I can't be a good banker, I have to be a good banker, plus I donate my time to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Um, you can't be a good journalist, you have to be a good journalist, plus you're a feminist. And that's... <clears throat> and they can mock and ridicule Christianity and say, oh, fools are... Only religious people are fools, but all brilliantly so, I might add. All the government and the public schools and college has managed to do is take these naive fools, and that's what they are, and replace their religion with a new one of right. social uh, socialism of its various flavors. It could be feminism, veganism, vegetarianism, um, whatever. Uh, and so now these people, when they go out and produce something particularly in the arts if we're going to consume and talk about movies. Kathleen Kennedy just can't make a fucking movie. She's got to make a feminist Star Wars. You can't just make a remake of Ghostbusters or a sequel. Right. You have to make a feminist. You know, Ocean's Eleven. Now, feminism is the flavor du jour now of, of Hollywood. Uh, but that's one reason that you're having the politics kind of like a Harry Bush uh, ruin. <laughs> no, ruin! Uh, the uh, whole genre, but the other one, the other thing, is back in the old. There was no, there was TV with maybe four channels, and then there was movies coming out. That was it. There was not the me, uh, uh, the internet. There was not so you didn't have all these other options. You didn't have forty three thousand uh, cable choices, and so what? And I'm not for having censors. Like in the olden days, under publishing, you had to get a publisher to publish a book. Right. And I don't agree necessarily with that because a lot of great authors never made it. But there was a better screening and selection where if you came out in 1960 with a movie that had either a right or left-leaning political, heavy political message, it would get axed. Say, no, you're not going to do that. Just make a simple, make a Butch Cassie and a Sundance Kid. Right. Make a Star Wars. No politics involved in this. Why? Because this is the movie theater. Right? They, we can't just people don't have the choice to go here or there and not watch. Or I'm gonna listen to this podcast and listen to that podcast. It had to be milky toast, at least, or not. It could be a great movie, you know, Back to the Future. It could be a great movie. Right, but that's there's a, no politics. Talk about yeah. Let's look. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He took a he made a film. Robert Zemeckis made a film that is considered was considered a classic. Uh, not very long after it came out. And one of the reasons is because it had that old-time Hollywood quality, that that the ability to tell such a great story and immerse the viewer in it. But it was made in a modern era where that where storytelling often would uh, be d declining. And if they were, tr I was I was noting that someone if they had been 
interested in doing so, they could have made a Back to the Future remake where it is set in 2015 mm. and Marty McFly goes back to 1985. Right. Which is the when the first film came out. So it's sort of looking at the dynamic, uh, which is because it's the same thing. Kid goes back in time to see how different things Marty were. Marty McFly's son discovers the time machine. Right. Hidden in the thing or whatever. Right. Right. And then he goes back, or just, he's just, but the point is, is that the film would then present an opportunity to uh, help or, or, or show people at that age in 2015 looking back in the 80s and seeing showing the audience how differently life has been how much the internet has transformed because mm. think if a kid from 2015 showed up in 1985 he's his first problem is going to be he doesn't have a cell phone so now, now he's got to go. Now he's got to go through the phone book. He's like phone, phone book. Yeah, phone he's book. He's got a pay yeah. phone. He's got to. He learns about how how much he has to think. He, he he's got to use maps. Right. He's got to use maps. maps. Yeah. So I thought I thought that if you're gonna do a remake, because Disney's doing a remake of of remakes at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, Cinderella three and a half. You know, she's she's not quite whatever. Um, but that would have been an interesting remake to do. But. And and there's a lot of good ideas that for films that could be made. I thought they uh, with with a lot of these Star Wars movies they could have gotten a certain way on things, but what happens is what you're saying, the people in charge are want to take that and almost mutate it. They want to make it about they use it as a platform, hmm. um, almost as a, they use entertainment now. I I, I make it. Entertainment is almost secondary to their ulterior political. It's moments. it's why a lot of these, if you watch these Hallmark Channel movies or these, you know, a lot some uh, religious themed films, the reason that they're so bad is not because of the values that they're trying to convey. I agree with a lot of them, but the problem is they're they're using, uh, I believe it's art to convey, sorry, values to convey art rather than art to convey value. So you make a really good work of art, mm. and by doing so, that conveys the values that you want to do. Right. Whereas a lot of these films, is just that's what propaganda is. It's, we want to push this view on people. How do we do that through art? Tolkien wrote a great book series that conveys a ton of values, but they're implicit, whereas C.S. Lewis did an allegorical series. Is that the... Mirror the, with the, the Chronicles of Narnia, Narnia okay, and yeah. and it was very allegorical. And Tolkien had a big problem with that because he said you should not be pushing something so blatantly. It should be flow naturally through the story. Mm-hmm. So my that's one of the, I think the fears is that how much what what could have been accomplished instead of what it, this stuff is being spent on right now. What kind of movies could they be telling? Uh, one one story that I've I was talking to a literary agent years ago and he he gave me some good advice he was looking at one of my books and he says you know nobody has written a story looking at the fact that the Afghanistan war is the longest war in United States history and a man who fought that war in his twenties could now theoretically have a son going out to fight the same war who would not, was not born at the time so what kind of a story could you tell about that. But nobody. I mean, we've we've seen these movies, a lot of uh, movies about war. Most of them tend to push a propaganda message. I think that's why Hurt Locker was really popular. Is it wasn't really a war. It wasn't a pro or anti-war film. It was just a film about war. Mm-hmm. What what I think, and I've written about this before, about how there's been an infrastructure laid down 
by uh, K through college and continued on through media um, and just overall societal propaganda. Um, but there is a, an officially ordained religion now in the United States right. of, of leftism. And it's not explicit or anything, it's just implied. And you can, you can say, oh, that's conspiracy theory bullshit. I'm sick and tired of seeing 100% of high school seniors saying, yeah, I'm going to vote Hillary. I'm just so sick and tired of it. It's obvious that this propaganda is there, and it's obvious that it's working. I mean, just think about it. Like, Look at the insanity that ensued because Hillary Clinton didn't win, and then Kavanaugh got nominated. Like, These people are apoplectic. As opposed to, ah, uh, you know, that's the way the elections go. Right. And, they're, and they're so fervent about it that it is a religion. There is this right way. So there has been trillions of dollars invested in establishing this correct political party, this pr- correct uh, religious uh, political ideolo- uh, ideology. And a lot of people, that's all they have in their lives. Right. And a lot of the marketers now know this and saying, look, if we tell... The dipshit soccer moms of America, the D S S O A, the D S S O A. If we tell the D S S O A that this teddy bear sold at Target is is fair wages and organic sourced, and we let fair transgender trade. people use our bathrooms, they will go and buy this shit. And for the most part, they're correct. Nike, brilliant tactic because they're they're consumers. The Nike brand was kind of dying, you know, it wasn't right. as popular as well. Their consumers are younger people, thoroughly in the in the thick of their indoctrination of diversity and oppression, and you're all underdog heroes. And they come in with uh, Colin uh, Dickless Nick or whatever, <laughs> Caper Dick, uh, Pumpernickel, whatever, and he and then and they and then sales boost up. Why? Because that system, that infrastructure, that investment has been made in brainwashing these kids, not only to have these political beliefs, but to derive their only value from them. Again, which explains why every vastly, certainly the creative community, your, your writers, your journalists, your television, your movies, they always put their politics ahead of the medium by which they don't create, like you said, a good story. It's, right. We're going to convey a message using this vehicle, and in by which you, you destroy the vehicle, in this case art, be it movies, music, or whatever, to convey a political message. And, it, and, and now we as consumers suffer because we have inferior products. But, I'm just, right. but it's still to somewhat of an extent problem. Now, Star Wars, it didn't play out. Well, it pl- so what happened is people went to go see Last Jedi, and I think Solo, the film Solo, suffered because from what I understand, the, the Solo film was not... Bat. It was Solo was good. I was, saw it. it. Yeah, but I think people had been burned one too many times. I, I believe it's the first Star Wars film to actually lose money. No, they made money. I think it's below a billion. I think. I, I think. Other... I think they actually lost money. Really? Yeah, but because well, think about it, the the production, the movie is that's just making the movie is one thing. Then you spend the money on the marketing and advertising. Yeah, I know, that's and. I know it's the worst performing of all right, time. Right, yeah. And so, the the real... The question is, and as, as other people point out, the people who run, who are making these films, did not make the original films. And I almost, it leads to the question of, did George Lucas really fully understand what he created? And there's a lot of discussion around whether 
he had a story and then these editors came in and fixed a lot of the problems in it and he just struck lightning and got a great film and then Empire Strikes Back was really good and then finally George Lucas kind of took over with Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. he really wanted the 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 Ewoks these little teddy bear guys to fight in the the final battle mm-hmm. because he knew it would sell better with merchandising Par- parents would be, so he really turned over to the merchandising thing as opposed to when the the original plan was to have Wookiees which would I think would have made the film much much more serious and would have changed the dynamics on that film and people would have taken it more seriously that's where it kind of got a little cute I still think it was a uh, Return of the Jedi was a pretty good film but it's nowhere I, I got friends who will ar- argue on about this to their dying day but Empire Strikes Back was far better the the superior product than Jedi you thought yeah really Empire is the best movie that they made in the Star Wars series for sure okay I, it could be because I saw them when I was a kid so I thought the you know the Star Wars scenes were better I'm sorry right. the, the Death Star scenes where where do we have losses here you gave me this article does it say how much Solo lost or made it was the most profitable movie no this is this is the last Jedi. Oh, oh, Last Jedi. Yeah, this is The Last Jedi. I'm trying to find Solo. Yeah, so Solo did not do well, and there was this big meeting because they were thinking, what are we going to do? Their decision to keep Kathleen Kennedy... The, well, one of the problems is nobody wants to touch it now. And that shows that there's no one there who either understands how to make a good movie or the other possibility is... They understand what they're going to be expected to do as far as the story, and they don't want to do it. Yeah, here a good a good storyteller may not want to work for these people. Yeah, no, we got it. It's a fifty million dollar loss. Yeah, that that is horrible. See, because I remember was a good one. that was, and that was a good one. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and see, this is, and it's hard to tell what using this infrastructure and pandering to people's pre-installed leftist politics, whether it'll be profitable. Nike, it was profitable. But here's an example where Kathleen Kennedy destroyed the franchise. You ruined the brand name. Right. As much as George Lucas... Uh, and the, the, In doing so, they've created, I think, a lot of retrospective sympathy for George Lucas's prequels. They were not good films, but they were not... They, they weren't good f- films, but they weren't... A lecture. They weren't electric, but they just, they weren't terrible. I mean, <laughs> um, Phantom Menace was not a, it had a coherent story. It just wasn't the greatest story. But there was no moment, there weren't any cringe moments in, well, I, I, people are going to hate Jar Jar Binks. Okay, great. I, that's, I think, but the, the point is, he did not kill the franchise. You, and, People, and you can't bat a thousand. You know there's going to be a, a, a character you right. don't like or something. There's going to be flaws in every again, again, I think that the genius of the films was almost uh, un, not not intentional. I think he just got onto something. It's almost like you invested in something. You're a 21-year-old, 22-year-old investing in the stock market, and you just hit that stock that goes sure. up, and you make Bitcoin a fortune. Or whatever, yeah. 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 And it has really nothing to do with you you so, didn't have a formula. Yeah, you didn't have a formula. And that's where you see a lot of success in life and people try to come up with all these reasons for why they've been successful. A lot of it is just happenstance. I'm not saying that hard work doesn't have anything to do with it, or that, but the idea that they are fully responsible and that there, no one else had any role in that is is garbage. There's, yeah, no. it's. Uh, it, I do know one instance where it was 100% owned by the creator. 
Asshole Consulting. That was 100% <laughs> planned, fully intended, years in the making, every meticulous detail calculated to a 0% margin of error. That was a machine. That was that happened just... <laughs> right. Right. Oh. But um, it's funny you were talking about the whole leftism as a religion. It's true. Uh, people in the in the Pacific Northwest are considered to be the least religious people in the country. I completely disagree. They are the most religious people in this country, mm-hmm. just on certain issues. You try talking to them about any, like a long list of things, if you so much as have a, a, a slightly nuanced opinion on this stuff, if you're not a hardliner, they look at you like you're, uh, uh, you know, you're from some hick town in Alabama. You are literally Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> you are literally the man with the mustache. Yeah, and so... And people say, well, that's not a religion. It, it, you're confusing an official religion with a religion that... You, anything you treat like a religion. Mm-hmm. So if you are willing to get into a fierce argument over something with someone, or you can't let an argument slide, or you think that people should be fired from their jobs, or lose their ability to put food on the table, or if you believe people should be harassed with mobs, social or media... assaulted, th- even. Assaulted. If you can't if you lose your emotions over somebody saying something whatever they said violated a religious belief you have um, but I think also uh, on top of that people also are you so used to being around people who think just like them and having not ch- and another thing is it is a religion because it's never challenged you're not allowed to question it well and the other thing is I say there's no proof I mean if anything there's more disproof of leftism and socialism. I mean, you could say, well, did, was Jesus alive? Did he exist? Eh, there's some history in it. Uh, was Muhammad alive? Yeah, there's a guy called Muhammad. He, he well, try, yeah. try, you can, but, you can but, tell Chris, You can tell somebody uh, in, say, Judaism, yeah, I, I don't believe whatever. I, I don't really know quite what um, Judaism, modern Judaism teaches, but you, you can say, yeah, I, I, they, they don't get offended when you, eat, you have bacon. You can yeah. go have bacon if you want. They don't care. Just don't ask them to eat bacon. Yeah. Um, but if you are driving a pickup truck and they're driving their um, their scooter. Prius, yeah, their, or their scooter, or you know, some you know, dude, you assume these people could even afford a car. You well, that's what car loans are for. <laughs> no, 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 no. See, people get, get confused. There are a lot of wealthy people. Who pick up these causes because they got to have something? Yeah, gotta, oh, you're telling me. I'm the one pointing <laughs> out that these guys have nothing. They're filling their hole. They, 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 and this is why they're miserable. I mean, right. we, I think we even talked about this on the battlefield. Um, that these people, first of all, let's start with the premise: they're lazy. All right, so they are damned. Not condemned. They are damned to achieve nothing in their lives. So they will have nothing of value to point to. So what do they go and glom onto? They glom onto a religion. Now it can take shape of many instances, but with the pushing and nudging and propaganda of K through college or K through, yeah K through college, it's going to be leftist politics of the various flavors. Right. So that's why these people are ugly. They're out of shape. They're weak. They're soy boys. They're fat acceptance. They don't shave seventies or not, uh, and and then they are vehement. Because if you criticize them, they don't understand it yet. Like when you turn the ignition of a key to a car, you don't understand all the mechanical, electrical right. processes. You know, maybe there's a hundred of them. The car just starts. They don't understand, but they intuitively know that if you 
tell them, hey, communism killed some of you, or, you know, if you women shut the fuck up and spent half the time you did bitching and whining about shit and majored in engineering, you close the wage gap tomorrow, immediately pissed off because you point out that they are valueless, that they have no value, that they're, they're, they're worse than common, they're, they're parasitic at a certain and their entire value, their entire ego is based on the fact that I am an ist. I am a environmentalist, I am a feminist, I am a leftist, I'm whatever the ordained and acceptable positions of they're politics. Active, and, they're activists. The, well, well, you activists know what they are? Some, I mean, they are, it's a very, very um, ardent religion in the sense that these people are also missionaries. They don't believe, and this is what I've found, and this is where the idea of being a moderate or being a centrist in this country is very difficult because, or, or just saying, trying to stay out of stuff because for them, they're going to go preach their message, and and it's a it's a. Hang on, may I interrupt something though, real sure. quick? Isn't it ironic that the missionaries tried to convert the minorities, although they were the majority, and and the leftist missionaries tried to convert minorities too, at the fear of do convert to Jesus or die, convert to socialism or die. Well, because their 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 vision is. I, and they don't really have. They never describe this or articulate this. This is just me extrapolating from their behavior and the what's implied. It's we're going to create a paradise on earth where there is no differences between anybody. There's no more boundaries. Everybody's the same. But Every, diversity is our strength, right? And and if only when true equality has been achieved, you know we we've come so far, but we have so so far to go. So it's a it's. It's a schizophrenic religion because, on one hand, they have a goal. That's a utopia with total equality. Perfect equality and, and justice. Borg. But the problem, here's the problem with it. It's the mindset. When being a progressive means continually changing, um, because once you reach that goal, you've got to, it's like playing football. You, you score a touchdown, you're now trying to score another touchdown. There is no goal or, or, there's no end to it. There's no end to it. Right. It, there's no time when they say, "Okay, we've we've accomplished our goal. We're going to go home." And so, the, even when they've made all these gains, they grow even more. They have to come up with new and new things, and that's how we've gotten to this point where we've gone from. An example of that is the changing of the definition of the word racism. All the problems that was associated with that concept. In, in a lot of ways, it's the problem. Has been, yeah. The problem has been eliminated to the extent that it's no longer effective to use. So they had to change the definition to include all this very trivial, uh, non-offensive stuff that even people back in the day who, Could were, not have who were genuine yeah. victims of uh, of prejudice would not have considered to be a problem. Mm. But they've got to come up with something. If you're a, if you're if your job is reliant on there being a problem and the problem goes away, you have two options. Find another job or manufacture a problem. And you hit it on the head. Because this is what I argue. And you know, I had to do that Unabomber analysis. Right. And he talked, and, and he kind of nailed it on the head when he was talking about lifting. What he, I think he misdiagnoses, I think a lot of people misdiagnose it because the explanation is so simple. Laziness describes everything. It describes everything you see because they are afraid to go and get a real job. This is why feminists will never... Stop feminizing. That's why leftists will never stop leftizing. They don't want to go and drive truck. They don't want to go and till fields. They don't want to go and study calculus or program. They want to be the perpetual victim because it's an easy job. They want to be a professor. They want to be an activist. I, I think the, 
there's a bit of nuance that's required there because in some ways they are not lazy. They are willing to go out there and hustle to push a view, but it's from the mindset of, it's from a very lazy mindset of, I'm a victim, I'm oppressed, and I'm going to go out there and harass people. That doesn't require a lot of intellectual strength. True, true, uh, true being, correct, yes. Being intellectually lazy means constantly, it's almost a form of childishness of whatever I think is right and whatever feels good for me is what's true and morally good. If I don't like it, I need to rationalize why it's bad. A person who's intellectually honest is um, not lazy. He's he's working through... People, I think we... As much as there's physical strength and there's just mental uh, uh, strength, there's also intellectual uh, and emotional strength. The ability to control your emotions. The ability to... Uh, do self-reflection and okay. say reason, yeah, self-criticism. I mean, think about somebody who who's been taught they're a victim, and reality is showing that that's not the case. And but they know that's going to cost them something, uh, potentially like, psychologically their ego. Then all this time they've invested. I mean, imagine somebody who's taken out thirty thousand dollars in student loans to get a worthless degree that teaches them all the stuff that they, in deep downside, know is not true. Right. The question is, okay, I've spent all this money to get a worthless degree, $30,000 to be taught, taught lies. If I'm honest with that, then I have to come to, to come to terms with the fact that I now have to deal with the consequences of that and move and, and figure out a way. It's a, it's a hard road. Hmm. The easier road is to just double down. Right. Intellectually. Right. What, and what I've always loved about um, leftists and leftism if you can believe I love something about them, is that in the real world then, they can tell themselves intellectually lazy whatever they want. They're oppressed. <clears throat> um, they didn't get this because of that. And uh, I don't want to accept the fact that I've wasted the past four to eight years of my life in school and this $150,000 was for no point in purpose. So they can be intellectually lazy. But if they choose to go the intellectually lazy route, it is a guarantee they will expend thrice the amount of physical energy in the real world Dealing with that life, and I've uh, I've gone back to the hard way and the really hard way. Right. The, there is no easy way. The hard way is you major in engineering, the sciences, you live in the real world, whatever. You put in your dues when you're young, and you have the energy. The benefits pay off, and yeah, you have to go into work. And I, but that's the hard way. But it's the easiest way that exists in the world. Right. The really hard way is pretty much what every leftist does, where they go down the wrong road. They have an ego issue where they cannot admit they're wrong. Their entire life's value is derived from a belief, not production of value or accomplishments or, or things of value. And then, as you say, they double down because they're intellectually lazy, which further condemns them because the, the article in The Guardian we we're talking about, where you have homeless adjunct professors, or they got to live in the car, or they got to they gotta resort to prostitution. That's harder than if you made your 80 fucking grand a year as an right. engineer after five years out of college. Right. But they're never willing to put in that that effort, but what I try to point out to him is that you are going to put in way more effort as a liberal arts major, as a single mom from five different fathers with 17 different half-sibling kids. Um, you're going to, well, no, I, my, my passion is more important than reality. But they don't get it. And, and that's where I kind of, I, I enjoy watching them suffer because of the hubris and arrogance to be an intellectual weakling and not admit reality. So I... With the one, and I've been thinking, we've talked about this a lot in the last couple of days about what, how to how to view the observations around us. And the one 
thing that bothers me about watching all this unfold is that the more of those people there are making bad choices and all this stuff mm-hmm. is makes it even it means one less person who can help turn things around and I'm not saying you know we've talked about enjoying the decline and all that the decline the question is the decline of what and when that as that dies you can have something you can still build something within that system A phoenix may ha- arise yeah. from the ashes and so yeah. my whole thought is as we move toward I think we're we're approaching the the I don't know if it's a I'm not want to say collapse but we're approaching the end, the throw the end throws of the the US empire what it's going to look like and how it's going to be I don't know and how long it's going to be but my hope is when that finally happens we can start to rebuild something and we're going to need more than just a handful of people we're going to need a core base of people to fa- to make up whatever nation or country or whatever forms where the, the people who share our values can go there and be a part of that. And the more I see with with, with people, and this is going to segue into another observation. When we talk about leftists, it's really a question of our definition of that because I one of the difficulties I had throughout my 20s was I had very, I was very objective, meaning I read this is what people who get constitutionalists, this is what they believe, this is what the founding fathers believed and all that stuff, and I was totally into that. And then I looked around and saw that there was virtually no one, in, and this is where I got really confused, that people who described themselves as such were not that. And so somebody can be a total leftist and not even know it, or they can be a totally... Uh, Conservative troop, which, well, which yeah, the, And that's where the, you have the whole fake... I mean, really you have people who think that they are not something or that they are something but they are not because they don't have a, a firm understanding of what they believe. And we're seeing that really, honestly, with the whole... Uh, You'll see that in the black community more than you realize, especially among the men. The the men are... It's like, dude, you, you like guns, you, you like girls, uh, you don't like people taking your money. Right. Welcome to the Republican Party. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, where, what do you, you know, and, and the government has stolen your women from you. Your women have been trained to hate you. Welcome to the Republican Party. Yeah, and, oh, by the way, didn't know if you knew this history thing. Um, the Republican Party did you a solid, if you didn't know history, they did you a solid called freeing the freaking slaves. Join the Republican Party. You know? Right. And I, I think the, the confusion is, this is, so this is where we were talking about on the Older Brother podcast, my frustration with the older generations not sharing their knowledge of their history. Because if people don't know history and they're not taught, they have no context for the environment in which they've gotten themselves. And this is how you have, people are wondering why there's so many young kids who are totally into socialism. And frankly, at some point, we're going to have a, we're going to have open comm. I mean, Sawant uh, in, in Seattle, who's a, she calls herself a, a, an alternative socialist. Oh, no, 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 she's a communist. I mean, yeah. She's, she's a, a parasitic communist. Right, and so we're going to have avowed communists running for uh, in nation, for national offices at some point. And the reason that these kids are open to this, these ideas is because they have no understanding of the history of that ideology. And we hear all the excuses that they give about... Well, most of them probably don't know anything about the Cold War. They don't know... They don't know about Maoist China. They probably don't know about the Berlin Wall. That, and that Pol Pot. I mean, they, they don't seem to put together that communist countries build their walls to keep their people in. in. <laughs> from leaving to our countries where we build walls ostensibly 
to keep people from coming in. And so they just don't have any understanding. Whereas if older, and that's where the older generation, especially grandparents, could have served as a buffer against these what they're being taught in schools. And they would say, well, that's what the teacher said. Yeah, well, I, le- I lived in that era. That's not how it was. Yeah. You know, we they, they would be able to serve as a living, uh, since we... <laughs> Refutation of what the well, what living, living, living contradiction of what of what they were were saying, but they haven't done that. The, the disconnect from history is also a disconnect in the family, where there's not that cohesion, because that was the whole point of the old, uh, older members of the family was to impart family knowledge, family right. wisdom, traditions, all that stuff, and it's all been uh, split apart, and with. I, I, and in comes a vacuum, and that's where your teacher and, in the state is going to educate your kids. And the more the more the progressives have won on an issue, cons- the conservatives have this. So here's what happens: the the conservatives and the progressives draw a line in the sand. The progressive and the conservatives say, "Do not cross this line." The progressives cross that line and say, "What are you going to do?" And the, what the conservative does is he wipes away that line. Steps, takes a step back and then draws a line and says, do not step over the side. And so they, they're in constant denial about how much they lose on stuff. And so they keep shifting. what And the progressives do this too. They shift what's considered to be right-wing or conservative. When you talk to a right-winger from the, the 20s or, or the aughts, you know, 1900s, they would have looked at the most self-described right-wing conservatives to then say, you guys are all a bunch of socialists. Mm-hmm. And and so we see this a lot with with a lot of um, I don't know you try to be optimistic and I and, and hope things turn around, but it, it you have to start with people understanding what what how I mean you look at for example the how how different our nation is from when it was founded mm. and a lot of the value. You know how how much they valued their free uh, the the colonies valued their separation from each other, mm-hmm. having a, a uh, an effective but not powerful central government and all that stuff. Now, oh, the state is God. The federal government is I mean, right. for most people it is. But you also here's the other thing is you have to think about what raw material and quality and caliber of people populate now and right now. The vast, and this is why I have such an, uh, not an issue, but I'm so fascinated with generational, not issues, but measurements. I, I, like today, we're at the, at, the, um, at the cemetery, right? and I'm looking at the kids walking off the bus, and what did I say? What could I not discern about the kids? Couldn't, couldn't tell if they were normal kids or special needs. I call them mental retards. You can be nice and kind. But I looked at them, and I'm like, is that guy? Because he was walking funny. No. Oh, well, this one looks... No, no, she's walking funny. Oh, that one looks... I could not tell if they were either mentally retarded or physically disabled or normal. Because they, they have been so unchallenged, so not educated, so not pushed, so, well, here, we'll just pass you along, that you can physically tell... You can also physically tell now, we could physically tell for a decade now, you look at the soy boys, you could physically measure the lack of testosterone. The raw material by which this nation is constituted of, and that is the people, is in the gutter. I mean, get, all right, of the main generations alive today, who's the highest quality and most productive right now? 
don't know. No, take, who, who would you want? Forget age or, or, or youth. Oh. Or, who, who do you want? Who would you want to employ the most right now? Like the most responsible, mature generation. Probably some guy in his 50s. I'd hire the baby boomers. If I had to choose between Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, or the baby boomers, I'm hiring baby boomers. That's how bad and far (laughs) our quality of grain in stock has decayed when the fucking baby boomers are the best we got. Like those are, that's that's the spine, that's the core. Someone's dying. Um... And I know you would like to, like to, like to, but no. After I saw the questionably retarded, I was going to say, I was going to say why that is, and I wanted to pose an interesting uh, question. The reason so many kids have social skill problems is because our society's social norms are lit. Everybody uses the word literally, uh, figuratively. I mean literally every day. In the literal sense. In the literal sense, our social norms, what is considered acceptable and not acceptable, say, do, think, whatever, it is being changed and revised every day. Mm. And it's there is no person you go to to act. This is how cynic... Let's be cynical for a second. Let's imagine... Should we be cynical for a second? Yeah, let's be What's cynical. What's that like? <laughs> teach me. How can I be cynical, it's, teach It's me? sort of like being sarcastic. Okay, I'll try my best. I'll try my best to be cynical. Let's imagine you lived under a... T- a totalitarian dictatorship, an authoritarian government. It's more bearable to live under a government like that. That is one out in the open about the fact that they're they are in charge and you are not. Rules and are very clear. The rules are very clear. These are things that you're not allowed to criticize. We can't even point out what we are not allowed to point out. <laughs> we can't even say what we're. It's funny how Voltaire said, "If you want to find out who rules, you find out who you are. You aren't allowed to criticize." You can't even ask. Try going and asking someone, I'd like to just know who rules me. Can you please tell me who I'm not allowed to criticize? You, they will get you in trouble just for asking that question. And one of the... Re- it's it, So people don't know. And not only that, but the rules will be applied retroactively. Oh, the Kavanaugh. Yeah, 36 <laughs> years ago. I, I mean, with, with the way they talked, you would have thought that they were all a bunch of... Uh, you know, uh, Puritans attending a private school where their you know genders were all segregated mm-hmm. and drinking was evil. Remember, I remember. I'm so old. I remember when the liberals were the cool party. TJ, I remember when they were for freedom. Well, that that's what was so fascinating to watch about the hearing where they're saying, "Did you drink beer in high school?" I was thinking, "What? What were you guys doing in high school?" <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, we're not. We're not dumb. In in the suspension of um, the 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 gall. Of the, and especially, I'm sorry, a, a, someone in in the United States Senate lecturing anyone about alcohol consumption. Oh yeah, is yeah. the most just the 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 cones for someone to for them to lecture anyone uh, on that kind of stuff. Wish just, Ted Kennedy was still alive to sit on that. That would have been great. Say, you know what? Hey, you know, hey, here's the guy to kill the chick. All right, this guy maybe copped I, a feel in '83. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're talking about. Hillary Clinton just recently was interviewed and said, "Did your husband abuse his power when he, you know, did the did the whole Monica Lewinsky thing?" And she said, "No, he didn't. No, yeah, those weren't real victims." Those, those, and and <laughs> she said that they he shouldn't have been impeached and all this other stuff. And she's able to say that and then turn around and talk about Trump. Um, and he's that, that's a completely separate issue. The it's you have no moral authority. 
and yet you cl you're, you're claiming to have moral authority to tell us what is right and wrong when you don't even follow your own rules. Right. And then they call it whataboutism. No, 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 no. You sit down and shut up. You have no business talking about... It's, it's the same thing, frankly, with a lot of uh, these, these fiscal conservative types who are, all, who are going after Obama for his spending. Well, now Trump is spending oh, all yeah. this money, yeah, too. And, then, and they're like, what? Happened with Bush, too. Yeah, yeah Bush and, and, and my whole thing on that is, guys, just take a, take a stance or just say, if it's good for me, I support it. Just be an Just be honest. But yeah. it goes back to the whole... I think that that's possibly the reason why a lot of the Eastern European countries in Russia didn't have a total societal collapse when the so I mean you look at the Soviet Union falling how peaceful it was in comparison to when normally when empires fall it is not peaceful and I think what I, I have no research or data to support this this is purely speculation but I wonder if one of the reasons is, is that the society was actually pretty stable because the rules were very clear if, if you they were if, very obedient because you didn't have a choice they, they understood you know. if <clears throat> the problem with our society is we are doing the same things. In fact, we're doing some of the things that are much worse than the, than the Soviets ever did. We're just we're in denial about it. And it's done through the private and sector. And it's you know this yeah and it's, well it's, and it's being done, yeah by proxy through the private sector. So in the East Germany, you could not get a good job unless you were part of a the Communist Party. You had to be a member of the party. Well, the problem is you had to earn your way into the party. So you had to adhere to the right politics. You had to you had to go. And report to tell the party in. line, right? Nowadays we have the same thing, but it's not joining the communist party. It's you cannot only say not you. you there's two ways you can not you can lose. It's basically it's the mob says you said something that was bad, fired. Yeah. Right. Or oh, you're associated with this person, you must be this too, fired. Right. And and what's scary is that's not done by the government. No. That's by, done by the but free will of the people. Well, no, it's been instituted well, they, and vetted. I mean, there's there's evidence to suggest that government entities, have, by proxy, again, it's all by proxy. This is where I get so frustrated with these with these. Li and I I say this to somebody who's who still considers himself philosophically a libertarian, but the, these libertarian self-described libertarians who who look at that say, well, if it's by the private sector, then it's not a problem. Yeah. As if as if uh, one. Every decision that's been made by the private sector is the. It, it's like consulting the oracle or something <laughs> like that. In for, you know, for the the uh, the Greeks, Oracle the, of Delphi. Oracle of Delphi. Yeah, it's like oh, we consulted the oracle, or uh, I kind of made. I think it's more similar to uh, how they, uh, the South Park, how they conssulted with figuring out whether to bail out a bank. You know, they go chop the chicken. Oh off. yeah, chop the chicken. Yeah, runs like, around. Yeah. That makes more sense than when, than a libertarian saying, "Well, if the private sector does it, then that the, the private sector, the god, the private sector god has spoken." Um, but yeah, that that's what we have in t today in America is, it, and it's random. It's not it, like with the whole thing with. It's not a law. It's not a law, right. and and it's not applied equally. It's applied to only certain types of people who express certain types of views. Right. And so they'll get the all they got to do is just go after you, uh, and that's by the way, people. If if uh, what I think is what we're going to see a lot more of is government censorship by proxy, where they will simply fire you if you're caught, you know, going to the wrong news site. You go to a news site that's been deplatformed by right. Twitter and by Facebook. Well, you shouldn't be following that stuff, and so you, you know. Whatever, but here, but here, this is why 
it could be government by proxy, but I, I still say it starts at five years old. This has been decades in the making, and now the the fruit of brainwashing at the base level, of the children level, is is paying off. Uh, everyone who's working at Google, all these Silicon Valley slaves, all these people who say, "I'm going to report this person," I'm going to the Facebook. I don't know if you saw Facebook. Uh, their yeah, in, you, internal employee discussion board got upset because one of their uh, executives was sitting in on the Kavanaugh hearings or something like that. They they thought it was their right to go ahead and, and complain about uh, getting that person. That that universality did not come through government policy bending arms behind Google's back and saying right. you're going to start banning. Th- these people believe it. They actually believe it, and they think that yeah. they have a mo- again the profession plus politics. They have to go and punish the bad. Or what did you say? The Orwellian thing? The, the good censor? Google yeah, has Google, to be the good censor? <laughs> well, but what's funny is I'm hearing this in both in both cases with Facebook and Google. This may not be the case, but this is the observation by people internally. It is What you have is a handful of social, just ardent like crusaders of social justice, the social justice warriors. They get in and they... they Fight to get their way, mm-hmm. and they're dealing with weak, weak-minded, weak-willed people right. who will not say no. And the other problem is, is that they accept this premise that we need to be inclusive of people of, of all, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever variant, yeah, right. And whereas a, a company, people, well, yeah. and whereas a company would say, a smart company would say, you are here to make us money, and we pay you to help to us do activity profit. X. If you're, we are not here to do anything else. We're not here to promote any other causes. We don't donate to any other to any causes, and we don't care where you donate your money. And we're not going to tell you what you should do in your personal time. We also, you can discuss topics here unless and until they become uh, uh, problematic. They, un- they, they well, not problematic. They interfere with your ability to do work. And if certain discussions are causing tensions between people or it's causing people to not want to work with one another, those discussions, or you can just implement a policy. We don't discuss politics and we don't discuss religion. All we discuss at work is work. Work. You don't talk about your family. You don't talk about any of the other stuff. But, the, see, you're in, lo, not La La Land, but that's how it's Oh, yeah, we, we, have, we, have, but, but Go- we have fully ventured. Google in. executives had a fucking cry session. Kind of like how you guys bought your wine and played Dungeons and Dragons, drinking your wine and cried about your boyfriends and all that. Remember that? <laughs> that didn't happen? Anyway. But the Google people did actually have, like, when Trump got elected, yeah. that video, it's at the highest echelons. This is a virus. This is a, a computer virus that has infected their minds. Think about it. You're the fucking CEO of Google. And you, you, that's not good enough for you? you got to have some fucking social justice warrior? You employ how many millions of people? You improve the lives of people like through the technology of Google? That's not enough for you? No, now we got to get our stick our dick into politics? Smart people don't have... This person but, but, but again, that goes back to what I, what I call the lack of immunity, lack of exposure to something does not allow you to build an immunity or a strong defense. So the, they have grown up in a world that I have not, in which I grow up... When I meet people who share my values, my views, I almost get a little suspicious because it's so... I'm not used to meeting or being around people who think like me on stuff. Mm-hmm. Most, most people, will, if they do think like me, they're just going to be quiet about it because they're afraid. 
of um, of what they're going to say or what I will say because th until they know me and then we open up. But they've grown up in an environment where their core fundamental values are considered true and rightfully observed in society, and the the argument is over the details. Like they they argue over not a question of whether something should be done, but how much should it be done. Mm -hmm. Should we? It, it's sort of like to use an economic example. They're not arguing whether or not there should be a minimum wage. They're arguing whether it should be sixty dollars an hour right. or sixty five dollars an hour. They're not arguing over healthcare. Over whether something. For, oh, here's another example. They're not arguing over whether government should should uh, be doing healthcare. They're arguing over you know, how, implants how or... it should, yeah, well, how it should be done, mm -hmm. or should it cover certain types of surgeries or all that stuff. In uh, the, the, the example, another example is with the military. Oh, should we let these people in in the military? Well, maybe we should. Sh the founding fathers would have said, "Why do we have a standing army? That's what mm -hmm. the militia is for." That's and that's where I get really frustrated when people talk about the Second Amendment. They say, "Well, it says well." Okay, putting all that aside, it was written at a time when there was no standing army, and every male citizen was required to have a gun at home that he was required to bring fully functioning to musters when called upon. So, if we're going to have a discussion about militia, and you guys think that it only applies to the militia then you must also go around and say, we need to restart militia in every able-bodied male. Yeah. It, it, that, that, it was, that was a society that was centered on people were free, but with that freedom came responsibility. Don't say the R word. Don't say oh, know, the R word. That's a that, is, that is what 50 years of education has brainwashed people to think there is rights. That's the good R word, but we don't mention the other right. R word. That, that's worse <laughs> than the N word. Your second R word is worse. It goes the R word, the really, really bad R word. Then there's the N word. I don't know what the third worst word. C word. See you next Tuesday. Okay, <laughs> that's probably the third worst word. And then oh no, and then then we only have rights. There's no right, responsibility. Right, and so that's where I also get frustrated with libertarians who are obsessing over rights, which I agree with them on. But that's not the whole story. If you have the right to your property and you have the right to all this other stuff and you're very free and autonomous, those people back in the colonies also had a strong sense of societal obligation to their community. You were expect if you were going to be part of the community, you had expect there were expectations of you. You couldn't just walk in and say, oh, "I'm free to do whatever I want," because what what inevitably happens when people say, "I can do whatever I want," Seattle. Well, what happens is. They make mistakes, it costs them, and they are able to use government to transfer the financial or, or whatever burden onto others. So whenever we hear people say, well, as long as it's not hurting me, it will always inevitably hurt me at this point. Mm. Whenever somebody's making a bad decision. Like, for example, somebody takes out $60,000 in student loans. People wouldn't do that. Would never do that. Would it, never do it, that. It, they say, "Well, if it's not bothered, if if it's not, if you're not going to be asked to pay for it, I will be asked to pay for it at some point if they bail them out." That's not going to happen. You know why? Because women who account for two thirds of student loan debts are strong and independent women, and they don't need no man fish bicycle. Well, and that's another they, example. They is, will never is, need that bailout because that would be acknowledging they need men's money to bail them. Well, out. that's another example of where they say, "Well, you know, what? Why do you care what some girl's doing do, by not getting married or?" Or early twenties and doing a career. It's not you're not married to her. No, but she has this expectation 
when she's 29, 30, 31, that there will be a man for her there, and there he will meet these list of requirements. And but the government's not going to... That's one thing I'm not worried about. Government's not going to, like, force men to start marrying doesn't women. have to, because they can just tax them. Well, right. No, that that's happening already. I thought you meant actually physically living with a woman. Well, no, but when people say, I can do whatever I want, it always inevitably turns out that they have expectations of, of other people. And so it's... It, this is the flaw of hyper-individualism. In a community of any kind, there has to be mutual uh, sense of obligation, or else there's just... Respect, even. Respect. Yeah. And one person described... I can't remember who it was, but they described the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as a gentleman's agreement. Mm. Everybody's got to agree on it, or it doesn't work. Mm. And, I, and when I say everyone, I'm not being literal, saying every single person has to believe it. Meaning, there has to be a general collective agreement... That this is the way that we're going to allow each colony to set their own rules for stuff, and if you want, and that was the other thing is you had uh, that's changed in America. This is changing in America. There's no place to go for if if you wanted to go be a free thinker uh, back in the colonial period, you went to Rhode Island. If you wanted to be a pure, if you were a Puritan, you went to Massachusetts. If you were a Quaker, you went to Pennsylvania. If you were a Catholic, you went to Maryland. If you if you had a different, there were different places for you, mm. and you understand. Now Californians want to go everywhere. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, the Californication of uh, of, of all the, the United West, States. West Coast states. But <clears throat> the idea is that when you go there, you're going to be a part of the community, and you're not there to to point out all the problems or try to fix or whatever. It's like somebody going to the to Boston saying, you know, I really don't like the whole this whole. Puritan theology thing, and I don't really like the fact that we don't work on Sundays, and I don't like the fact that we got to. The, the response would be, "This is not the colony for you. Yeah. That colony is over in Rhode Island. Go feel free to go there." But because what inevitably happens is, is people say, "Live and let live." I, I don't think I don't even know if "live and let live" was ever. A, I can't, I'm trying to think of a situation where that actually occurred, because what inevitably happens is when when one side leaves the other side alone. Or, or it, it, when there's two parties and one party leaves the other alone or doesn't push, the other one will just start taking yeah, over. No, that's the, I've always said Republicans do not need Democrats. Republicans would thrive without Democrats. Democrats desperately need Republicans because they live off of us. That, I mean, us in the general sense, conservatives, libertarians. But you, you cannot, and this is why you don't have any more states' rights, uh, like government supersedes. Now that Trump is president, now we're hearing all about states' rights. Oh yeah, well, but but the point is, it's exactly with California and, and, and parasites in general. It's like, we have this great thing, this great, great day. if California's so great, why are leftists leaving it? You know, it's like, no, 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 you stay over there. And matter of fact, we I would love to, and Bernard Chapin talks about this <clears throat> somewhat commonly, is like, bring back the American experiment. Well, you have designated capitalist states right. and you have designated socialist states down to a certain extent that already exists New York California I'd say are socialist states and you could go ahead and live there um, but they don't they, they inevitably get their money through the federal government transferring money from the nation and conservative states to go to, to leftist states as well um, but they the parasitic entity Whichever it may be, political, economic, religious, is always going to go after the one that they presumably hate. Right, and that's why it's... This is why at some point states are going to need to start creating their own... And it kills me to say this because one of the things... I'll I'll get to... I'll say what I think is going to need to happen. States will need to start enforcing their own border security. Because... 
and I hate to say that, but if you watch the film Hunt for October, the, one of the things that the Russian, one of the Russian uh, uh, submarine officers yeah. thinks is so great about America is you can travel from state, state to state without yeah. papers. Well, <clears throat> now, he wants to marry a fat woman, doesn't he? No, he wants to marry, I think only two wives. Only two wives. <laughs> <laughs> and as Sean Connery goes, oh, at least. At least. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to live in Montana. Montana. And I will have a, I will have a pickup truck. <laughs> and a recreational vehicle. I thought he wanted a large wife. Oh, she, I will have a wife and she will cook rabbits. Rabbits, okay. <laughs> but um, what's going to happen is you're going to need to have states start enforcing their own borders and controlling who comes in and out. Because what happens is when it... One of the problems with the progressive argument is it's so easy to point... for. An example of that is gun control. They say, well, we need gun control. You have gun control in Chicago. Gun control is not working over there. And they say, well, that's because all the guns are coming from elsewhere. Well, how come there is no gun crime in those areas that the guns are coming from? Or, you you know, they... Or they so what they do is they look at states that don't have people... Like, progressivism, and that are succeeding and thriving... And they send people... Or I don't want to say... it's not. I don't even think it is... It's not conscious. I don't think it's conscious. Like, They're just like, God, everybody, our place everybody, sucks. Everybody talks about how, you know, uh, you know, Texas, uh, they have this negative stereotype. Why are all these Californians... Their their actions do not meet their words. Because I criticize a lot of stuff, and I there's a lot of things that I really do not like about living in Washington, Pacific Northwest. But at the same time, I can explain why I choose to remain living here. It's... I, I've talked about it on my podcast. If people won't listen. Yeah, the to pros it. outweigh the cons. The pros for na- for right now, but I don't trash talk a state that I'm that I don't talk about how great a state is and I'm leaving while tra- talking trash about a state right. that I'm going to. <laughs> and I, it's sort of it's sort of like I almost compare it to a borderline personality disorder because it's akin to having somebody knock on your door trying to break into your house while talking about how awful your house is and how much they hate it your house is dirty and how great their house is and how great their house is then go away right. or or there's somebody who talk, it, they talk about how much how bad how you you you, you um, are a bigot you know, homeless well you're let's say it's a per, it, I'm using an analogy it's being in a personal relationship with someone say it's a girlfriend and she's just talking about how you you never you never listen to me you're never you don't you're not I don't feel like the connection, whatever. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm done. And you walk out. Why are you leaving? <laughs> I mean, that's no, that's what it's just like. It's, I, where, they no, grab you, where, where it's like that. I hate you. Don't leave me. Type motto is is really the way. Whereas I'm, I don't know. What? No, you're 100 percent right. But again, I I like to keep things simple. Uh, and the reason I th- say the Californians or leftists in general being hypocritical is. They don't make the connection between their voting and then moving out, right? I mean, yeah, even, even in Seattle, when John was talking about how people on that Green Lake, was it? They all voted Democrat. Then all the, the drug paraphernalia and druggies and, and homeless people came in. And then they said, well, wait a minute. wait a minute. And they had to say, but I vote Democrat, and I'm not a racist. So I'm not. It's like, no, no, no. I, so I truly don't. I truly believe they don't make the connection. They don't realize I, I totally agree. Right? I think and then the people... other thing, but people who just move like... Uh, this is common in Minneapolis and Chicago. You got a lot of drug dealers coming up into Minneapolis and committing crime and escaping Chicago, uh, and, and they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They got better welfare. I mean, it's colder, but they got better welfare. 
Standards are lower. Minnesotans just cannot wait to cut themselves open to bleed for parasites. I mean, they. I think a lot of women in Minnesota have orgasms when leeches are attached to them. <laughs> they love having leeches and mosquitoes. It's almost like they're having sex when they have leeches live off of them. Uh, and that's why they vote that stuff. I, I'm joking, of course. Well, but I wonder. I wonder. So, I'm, this is where... I'm just saying you're right. Right, I, right. Um, one example of where they've... I think the the opposite has occurred is the Free State Project, where this the, there was this libertarian movement to all move to New Hampshire and live in these clusters, communities, where they would form a very strong voting block. And I think that they've been very successful at that. Uh, I, I remember listening to libertarians talk about just how uh, free that people are. And honest, honestly, if I was going to move to the East Coast and if I was going to leave Washington, uh, I'd probably end up in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is, which is interesting because of all the, the East Coast states, it's one of the last uh, last strongholds. But I think that that's also stated the reason it's retained that identity is because it's very much, they've clung to... Live free or die. Well, they've, lived, <laughs> they've, they've, clung, they've clung to this idea of if you come here, you need to change and conform to what we're doing. I think that that's what also you were talking about with the Minnesotans. When when people come into areas, there's this ex- expectation that the person who's living there needs to change for the guest. That's Minnesota. And what's, yeah. I was talking to somebody about how in certain southern states, they, they that is not the case. Where you go there and if you try to change stuff, they're like, "Hold on now." Your guest. Explain something to you, boy. Yeah, they actually you Don't you be coming in here as a guest. <laughs> we try, like our grits. To, don't you be putting on them Yankee. I airs. want none of that kombucha <laughs> shit you selling here now. We drink Coke. Right, right, and uh, so I don't know. I think at, at some point uh, that's what states are going to have to do. Is they're going to have to the, the leaders will have to start saying, "This is who we are. Mm. This is what we believe." And I honestly, that is what we could see. We could see a, re, a reversion if the federal government got weak, if there was a collapse or whatever. We could see a reversion back to the original thirteen colonies style, where you know Washington and Oregon are this way, and New York is this way, and Florida, and they kind of go back to their original identities and say, "This is who we are, and we are not changing." And there's true diversity if, and there. There's true, I like oh, that. Oh, true yeah. diversity. And honestly, that may avert a lot of political issues, where you know parts of the, uh, the South. Become almost a, a quasi Hispanic state because oh. of the Hispanic population, maybe parts of California, whatever. And they just say, and, and there's the migrations that occur, but they occur on the understanding that they are entering a state that they want to be a part of, not change. Right, right. Well, tell that to the leftists. That's what I. Well, I'm that's thinking. where border security is going right, to happen. Right, right. All right. Um, I only have one sponsor today. I have more, but they're all me. So everyone go buy my books and subscribe and Patreon and OlderBrother.com and the podcast and all that other shit. We have The Quintessentialist. Go to TheHyphenQuintessentialistBlogspot.com. Check him out. He has a bunch of other stuff. He has um, a book out about the Great Emu War. Look up The Great Emu War. Oh, that's on Amazon.com. i got to promote him more regularly because what ends up happening, this past two months I've been traveling so much. I don't regularly get the advertising in. And then what ends up becoming a month of advertising becomes like a month of paid advertising and then two months free advertising. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't advertise because I was too busy walking around a, 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 a cemetery in Gettysburg. Which, which 
I, I, I'll save this for another podcast, but Gettysburg is exactly what I thought it would be. It's exactly what I, it is exactly why I didn't want to go to Gettysburg. Even though everyone's like, oh, Aaron, you love Gettysburg. Like, no, it's like Baltimore, Philadelphia. Didn't want to, no. That's... But, um, where can people find you? All right, you can go to tjmartinell.com. That's going to have links to my podcast. The Mountain Pass podcast comes out usually on a weekly basis. You can also get links to my books, The Stringers, The Informers, and Men Who Walk Alone. They're available on Amazon. And if you buy the physical copies, you get the digital Kindle version for free. And I've got a new book called The Redeemers coming out sometime soon. Is there a theme to these books at all? Um, I'm, joking. Of, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Remember how we're talking about how you got to tell someone was joking or not? Like when they said, hey, we got to drop TJ off at daycare. We really weren't going to drop you off at daycare. We, <laughs> we got to, yo, excuse us. We just picked up Cappy from the senior daycare center. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's good. You threw one back. You threw one back. All right. Well, we'll see all you guys later. Toodles. All right. See you around.